<laughs> Hello everyone, <laughs> welcome to this week's edition of the Chat Venture Podcast, where I'm sat here with Mike once again in Japan, but this time I'm in Brazil. Um, we'll do our usual catch up, but then we want to introduce this week's guest and why you must listen to this podcast. What were the highlights uh, of the recording? So yeah, how's it going, Mike? It's good, very good, very good. Sunday. Sunday. It's about the, the the Monday blues will be kicking in, but not quite yet. So so um, I'm enjoying the last little bit of the weekend. Well, uh, you're, you're, you're in the middle of summer in Japan now, right? Yes. Oh, no, it's coming to the end. Of it. Oh, really? Uh, we're now in September, and it's probably hot. This is the last month, I would say. It's very hot. And it's still very hot. Like... It's it, every day, 30, 30, 31 degrees. That's pretty warm. Easily. That's pretty warm and humid. It's disgusting, the humidity mm. in Japan. It's like a, it's like a, it's like yes. freaking the air is made out of soup or something. <laughs> it's like, you really, yeah. yes. I remember doing yes. karaoke with you guys uh, many few years ago now. And then coming out of the karaoke, which is air conditioned, and you come out the booth and it's just like, whoosh, being smacked yes. in the face. Like slap on the face. Yeah. yeah. It, air conditioning is a must. <laughs> that is for sure. Nice. I was. Yeah. I mean, I. I one one experience. Let's just say, uh, public toilets are, <laughs> are unless they're air conditioned in Japan in the summertime are not very nice. As soon as you shut the door, it's like, wow, I'm sweating a lot within within five seconds. <laughs> That's going to go about this well. Um, Fun fact, public toilets in Japan, you actually do find holes in the ground, uh, like the squat toilets in Japan here and there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's still the thing. Yeah. It's pretty. I mean, it's 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 probably the most um, efficient way of taking it up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I agree that it is. So speaking about this kind of, you know, life in Japan um, and, you know, we spoke to James, uh, James, shipbroker, which is your current profession, very intense corporate, and he's decided to continue living in Japan, but as a originally from the UK, he decided to continue living in Japan as a as a I, I guess we can say logger, but his 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 official title is um, forest worker. He 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 does kind of forest management uh, in 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 Japan, and uh, I wondered yeah. what were the highlights that you took from it that that makes this a must watch episode it was the things that the audience should should know i think what we touched upon mainly today what we touched upon mainly today was um the transition i think uh, from uh, the, and the dissatisfaction that comes from um, working in a, a nine-to-five grind, you know, personally for him, you know, I think we 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 did emphasize the point that it obviously there are benefits to it, and you know there are people who are very committed to their nine-to-five jobs, but you know when you're not, it's very much important to try and go with your gut instinct, mm. you know, which which he did. It wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy decision. It, he said it took a long time, um, about a year and a half. Um, but 
he doesn't have any regrets. Yeah. And yeah, we 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 then talked about a lot of the stuff that he does when he's out there. Um, I think we're going to plan another one so we can uh, go down along uh, a more um, spiritual kind of like uh, aspects of it all. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. I I I'd agree. I think anyone who's who's, who's doing uh, who's who's doing is a is a background smashing uh, sounds. Uh, <laughs> is someone playing the drums uh, like uh, <laughs> the symbols? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a podcast studio just yet. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll build one in a couple of weeks, actually. I, I hope. Um, um, so, so, what was it? Yeah. So, I think I think absolutely that that that's it. It is all about this decision and this transition he made from from really a very lucrative, comfortable city life to one in which in a very foreign country too. I mean, from 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 where it came from, which is the UK, Japan's as far as you can get. Um, to no no family and things like that out there to to kind of live in a very very rural setting and make that decision and, and build that life and we kind of get into like how he did it as well. So if anyone's thinking about kind of doing this kind of thing for themselves you kind of get a bit of a map or a blueprint and a bit of an insight into, into like how you might go about this what that transition looks like and i think part of all of it was um him also we, we kind of we spoke about the hunting so i think for those who are listening that uh have a kind of interest in this and maybe even have this interest in um procuring your own food and kind of like getting back to the land and aspect of, of, of living, this will be definitely directly interesting and informative. But for those who disagree ethically with, with this, I think also it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the perspective of somebody who's actually doing it. And, and, um, and we, we, we briefly talk about the, the ethics around it, but mostly we, we, we try and investigate you know, what what is it? What does it really mean to put food on your own table? And 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 um, you know, and where does what where does where does what, what, when we talk about hunting in that context, um, what is that actually all about from somebody who's who does it? You know, um, so. I think if, if it does spark, like if, if you are against it and, and, and it is a bit controversial uh, for you, then then this is equally interesting, equally something to listen to. And of course, we're open to all the, uh, all the comments in the comment section below. The idea is always to understand other people's way of life um, better mm. uh, without judging it. Um, and maybe mm. there's inspiration there. Which uh, I, yeah, and we get an insight into other people that are, who are also doing the same thing as well. There, right? I mean, exactly. it's not really our place to judge. So um, I think uh, that's what we provide, and hopefully you you guys exactly. can get a good insight into that as well. Get a good insight into that, and it's all part of Chet Ventures' mission to build an authentic community, a community of people who you know are are interested in living a life by their own standards and by their own convictions. Um, and, and, and that's, and that's, and that's, I think, you know, 
it, it requires a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and perspectives who are doing this because it, 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 you know and 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 hopefully this is what we've done here we've, we've kind of added a little bit to the library of information on that front and and for, and for those who find it interesting in this way of life um you've got something now to listen to yeah yeah hi james hi michael uh, it's great to have you on the show james um i wanted to kick off by just you know asking you you know where are you where are you in the world uh and and what are you doing there? <laughs> so, yeah, at the moment, I'm out in kind of central Japan, a uh, very rural region of the prefecture is called Nagano. And um, I am a forest worker, so kind of uh, less yeah, like... Okay. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, 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 continue, continue, continue. If you yeah, I was going to say kind of less uh, commercial logging and like... Uh, timber stuff but more like forest management so uh like uh periodic like thinning of certain areas planting new trees uh kind of cleaning up certain areas uh taking out trees that are kind of dying or sick so that the rest of the forest can kind of um, like grow up to a more healthy stage um so yeah that, that kind of that kind of gig at the moment i have to say forest walk is an awesome name there's, yeah, there's it's not bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm curious. Actually, I think this whole podcast is going to be centered around like, how, how did you get to this? I know you had a background which was much more um, corporate, and and how did you get to this in Japan? I think that's going to be the center of this podcast. But first, I think what will be interesting for the audience is to understand where Nagano is. Uh, some context around like Nagano, uh, it's some interesting characteristic of its geography, or you know, um, yeah, just to place you. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's, it's it's got it's very mountainous. Like I said, it's uh, doesn't contain Mount Fuji, but it's got a lot of mountain peaks and ranges above. You know, like the two and a half thousand meter uh, kind of altitude. It's got like the northern southern Alps. Uh, they're referred to as northern southern Alps in Japan. So these very, yeah, very big and uh, quite dangerous. You know, if you're a if you're a if you're a dedicated hiker, uh, mountain ranges. If you want to really get up there, and um, yeah, it quite can... a lot of the highest peaks in Japan are in the, the Japan Alps. I think, right? Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. quite a few that are over three thousand, I believe. I uh, I. I, I used to, I worked for a couple of weeks in a blueberry farm in the Japan Alps and the, and the stop of the major city was Nagano before yeah. the small train to the small towns went. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty epic, you know, um, like, as you say, very, very steep, sharp peaks. You see the blue rivers rushing down like those crystal blue rivers uh, and and, and, and a lot of ice caps uh, in the distance all around, you know, very, yeah. very green. Um, so it's, 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 it's where you're at, this kind of part, uh, mostly forest or is it like mixed farmland and uh, and what kinds of things are they farming out there? Uh, well, right next to my house, there's, uh, there's a couple of pear, pear fields where the guys growing pears. Uh, there's grapes, there's apples, right. Pretty much, like all the, yeah, pretty wide range of produce really. Um, plenty of rice fields as well. Uh, broccoli, like yeah, I mean, 
really in my era it's, it's kind of what 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 are they not growing really um <laughs> i guess it is yeah we're now going to be in like fairly high altitude and um what yeah what's the actual name of the town is it is oh, it I'm is in the closest village, city no i'm know. in a village called Al- i'm in a village called alki and then yeah the closest city to me is ueda mm-hmm. and that is on the like shinkansen trail uh mm. track from from Nagano, which goes through Karuzawa, and then it stops off uh, Sakodaira, which is another kind of big city, and then it continues up the valley towards Nagano City, uh, where it goes through yeah uh, Ueda, and then Nagano City. So if you if you go from Tokyo up to Nagano City and you're going skiing, then it goes through um, Ueda, which is pretty much where where I'm based. So, uh, is it is it is it quite easy to get back to? Um... Uh, the main cities, like if you wanted to say go to Tokyo or something, how long would that take? You reckon? Yeah, so it's pretty much like an eighty-minute trip on the on the bullet train, which is that's convenient. Not, um, yeah, it's not too bad at all. Then everyone's got to recognize when when you qualify with the bullet train, it's like it's like saying, oh, it's it's five hours by plane. <laughs> it's just like for anyone else in the world, that's uh, what is it by car? Um, Bullet trains it's, are phenomenal. It's, I mean, on, on the on the highway in the car, it's not too bad. I think it's like three three hours maybe in central yeah. Tokyo. Um, but it's yeah, the highways are pretty pretty like efficient here. Um, yeah. And then if you want to get like a highway bus, uh, which is pretty cheap, it's like three thousand yen one way, I think. So yeah. it's like half half the price of the Shinkansen. Um, that stops off at quite a few places. So there, that's like. Two and a half, three hours, right? Um, on a bus. Do you feel so, the urge, though, to ever? Do you ever feel the urge to come back to the city, or are you, are you, just like content there? Um, sometimes, you know, I've also got Dylan, a lot close friend Dylan living in, in Tokyo. Um, yeah. been friends of since university, and we've we've had a lot of fun together. And um, he he comes out to visit me uh, periodically, which is cool. Mm. But, I mean, having a dog now is, is probably the big. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I, I really wanted the dog, so it's kind of a, it's obviously a self-imposed limitation in a way. Um, mm. As many things are in my life at the moment, which maybe we can get onto, but it's um, it's yeah, the priority is a dog, really. And of course, I, I'd love to, I'd love to go down to Tokyo now and again, but it's a case of um, I'm living by myself and my dog, so no one's mm. here to look after the dog, so I, I kind of prioritize. <laughs> prioritize that and other things and um yeah it's, it's just not really a practical option at the moment so what would be cool is actually to, to i think share with the audience like how, how how you and mike know each other because you mentioned dylan and i think this could be a nice segue into mm-hmm. um yeah you know the, the context of the dog and everything yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so, um, he's a mutual friend right and we both were in the same industry which uh mm-hmm. which uh james managed to get out of and I'm in the yeah. process of still. <laughs> yeah. So what did what did we what did we used to do, James? I was gonna say who who would you like to give a summary, the person in it or a person who's escaped from it? Which 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 point of view would you let's Uh, oh yeah that's that's a good question let's 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 start off with the person in it and then we can contrast it with the escaping (laughs) oh Uh, so go on mike 
So explain uh, explain what I'm what I'm doing currently. Explain shipping and and yeah, exactly, and 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 because that's the beginning of the transition away, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess um, we both uh, came here in well, we worked in rival companies um, as ship brokers, which is an industry which is very quite unique i would say um it's very client-based um so there's a lot of um basically there's a lot of entertaining um it's very fast-paced um let's just say often one of it i would say 90 percent of the interviews that anyone would take to be a shipbroker one of the questions that probably you would always get asked is, can you drink? Um, how strong How strong are you with alcohol? Um, so I think that in itself is quite a good summary of, of, uh, of what shipping is. It's very fast paced. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all about uh, making, uh, making as much money as you can. And, you from, know. From, a, from, from, from my layman's perspective, from my perspective, like just talking to you over the years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the main job is about you, you have ships basically that move cargo around the world. I'm not sure everyone's if everyone's aware that a lot okay. of a, a lot of like. Of yeah, sorry, I didn't explain moves. exactly what it is. <laughs> I just explained yeah. the, <laughs> the aspects yeah. of it, which are which are <laughs> the stressful parts of it. But anyway, yeah, you, I yeah. mean, it's interesting in the sense that you're you're yeah. following the trade routes around the world. You are chartering ships to carry cargoes, essentially, from yeah. one port to another, and, and and you are just as a shipbroker, you're just the in between man to to connect the dots between uh, an owner, a ship owner, and someone who is chartering the ship to to carry the cargo from point A to B. Let's say it's it's coal from Australia to um, Japan or something like that. Um, and then you take a commission of that. So it's and and we work for we work for rival companies, um, meaning we often have the same clients. Um, so it's quite competitive and and the reason why uh, a lot of it is um, um, all about entertaining is because you want to make friends with your clients. You want them to support you. Yeah. Um, so there's very much that aspect. So how so often often the case is how party how hard you can party with uh, with your clients and how you can get them to like you <laughs> more um, yeah. often wins you the business. You know, it's very much like big money, big multinationals working with each other. As far as I understand. Uh, you're, you, you guys are in the middle, um, brokering deals with these guys, working with these guys. So yes, this kind of high intensity for, for, from a layman's perspective, very much a very high intensity, lots of money flowing around, uh, corporate job. And if you like that kind of thing, there's a lot of money flying around and, and it's a lot of fun, but it's also mm. like you're, you're giving your life to this, to this corporate juggernaut from, so that's always been my kind of take, 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 take take on it exciting if you're into that kind of a thing um mm. i don't know if james wants to come in at this point and explain <laughs> why maybe it wasn't so exciting for him while he walked away. Um, yeah Mark, mark's covered it pretty well uh on the on the interview process recruitment uh part 
I mean, part of my interview process, the initial interview actually was going and drinking with, with, you know, <laughs> with so it's not, it's not just, uh, it's not just being asked, can you drink? Yeah. All right, let's go for some drinks, buy a lot of drinks and see, see what kind of person you are, which, which is quite, think about it's it. Quite, it's, it's quite, quite fun. Quite, yeah. quite a good, it's quite a good strategy. Yeah. You know, people let their guard down a bit more when they've had a few. So, um, you know, you yeah. kind of see what they're actually like. Um, but yeah, it is mm. quite unique to ship in, I think. And um, yeah, Chet, totally, you're totally right too. It's, it's if you're into if you're into all that, then it's it's a, it's a really good gig. Uh, and if you're very financially driven and you like all the entertaining and the kind of fast paced nature of it, then then it's it's ready for you. But it, 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 if you really want to succeed at it, um, it's just all consuming, uh, time wise, energy wise. Is, you yeah. really do have to give your 24-hour weekends, holidays. Um, yeah, I have colleagues who would go on holiday to Hawaii or whatever and they'd be on their phone for half of it or, or even all of it trying to do these big mm-hmm. deals, you know, so it's, you can't really I've, take... I've, if you, if I've heard of people on their wedding days, their wedding wow. days still fixing, <laughs> still doing deals. <laughs> it's yeah. it's, it's like, pretty crazy. I do, I do. To, uh, he was like, no, 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 I was, I was, I was talking to my WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to my clients, sorry, love. But again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the, the rewards are really there. If, if you, if you really do devote your life to it, it's can be incredibly financially rewarding. So if you have a certain standard of life that you want to aspire to, um, in a very material way, then it's, it, the, the the world is yours really in, in, in that sense there's a lot of opportunity um I, so so I, you know having stepped back from it now i really see that you know totally like if, if that's for you um then it, it really is an amazing tool to to become very wealthy um and and yeah, create yeah. a very very good standard of life but there's a huge trade-off if you want to do that so you just have to be aware of of, of that side of things as well i think yeah, yeah, I, m- I remember like these uh, when I was hanging out with Mike when he was working in Dubai, and there were like these grand stories of, um, especially back I think in the t- early two thousands, there was a, the, when the market was peaking oh, before yeah. the uh, yeah. financial crash. Now people were talking, telling me about like you know if they needed to, if they were in Norway and they had a deal in Japan, they would literally just get a helicopter and or like they'll fly and take helicopter whatever it took to get there really really quickly, and that's how much like money there was <laughs> and yeah it's it, it there is something exciting about that but yeah of course as as you say you have to devote everything it's consuming and mm-hmm. it's only if it, it depends on your perspective over life so what was it james like i don't know um i'm gonna just ask it and you tell me if this is like an appropriate question but was there a trigger that kind of told you no this is no longer for me or was it a gradual process and i guess Maybe to add to that, like, how, how did you get into it in the first place? Maybe we begin with that. How did you get into it in the first place? And what was the trigger that um, kind of said, like, no, this is this is not going to move on? Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to be in Japan, having been here on holiday. Uh, and I kind of just thought I'd like to live here and try and learn the language and, and see how it is, really. And so I did the usual gig, got an English teaching job, got sent out to Nagano, actually. For, for a year and then Dylan again our mutual friend was in shipping in Tokyo and he referred me on to a couple of these companies um, different different broking uh, shops and 
yeah, had interviews and then got the opportunity to come to Tokyo. So it's not like I was like, oh, I love shipping. I want to be in shipping. I want to find out loads about shipping. Like many people, you just kind of um, think, oh, this, this might be good and this might be interesting. This allows me to live in Tokyo or whatever. And, and I was like, cool, let's, let's go for it. Um, could also play more rugby as well because I wanted to play rugby. And there's not much going on in Nagano, but there's a lot more in Tokyo. So uh, okay. that was another reason. And yeah, and then kind of four years in Tokyo and, um, and then back out here to Nagano with a different opportunity. So I had a How good time. Uh, so uh, yeah, the first year, it was pretty much uh, exactly a year that I was in Nagano okay. teaching English. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, yeah. Did you get pretty fluent already by that point? Would you say? No, I, I mean, almost zero, almost zero Japanese competency at that point, I'd say. I was, um, I really oh, didn't really? have a, yeah, I really didn't have uh, a good framework and like toolkit in terms of how to study. And mm. it just, I just didn't really have, yeah, a good, good way of study. And, yeah, I was I was focused on other things, and I had a close American friend who yeah. we went to the gym together and stuff. And he would just basically he was he was already Japanese uh, N one already, so yeah, he was super, oh, okay. super high level Japanese, and he N- could just N1 translate is, everything for me. Yeah, I, like there's N1 a, is a, N, yeah. is the highest right, and then N five yeah. is the lowest. Yeah, yeah. so N one is the highest for... level of Japanese. N-, N stands for Nihon or something or Nippon. Yeah, so Nihon no 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 isn't it? Um, and don't ask, uh, don't ask me. Uh, I think so. <laughs> anyway, it, it just stands for stands for yeah the highest level of Japanese proficiency. Uh, where where to are you Japanese now? Would you say? Government. I don't know about it. That, that, that's another weird question that I'm sure you get asked as well. It's like, oh, so you fluent now? And it's like, okay, what do you? What do you mean by fluent? And no, people like, just assume I'm N five all the time. I don't get asked that question as much. I don't get asked that question as much as I would like. To, honestly, <laughs> I think it comes from people who uh, are not necessarily well. I, I, I have either learned only language like through school systems never really lived in a country and 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 picked up a language and i mean that's that's the majority of people it's hard to i mean to to move to a country and so i don't i don't have any expectation there but basically i think i've come to realize that um those levels don't really mean much there's there's so many ways even i've i've actually self-reflected on my own english um having learned like spanish and other languages living in the countries and realize that I make mistakes in my English and, and yeah, I yeah. don't know all the words. There are people like your brother, Jamie. I mean, your, your brother, Mike, who's also called James or Jamie, um, mm. um, whose vocabulary is much wider than mine and, and uses words differently to the way that I do. And so, and so it's, it's kind of a weird one when you talk about, are you fluent yet? And it's like, I can hold, the conversations I need to hold comfortably. And I think the key is, do you feel like you can express yourself as who yeah, yeah. you are in yeah, your, yeah. if true. you can do that, I think that's, I think that's where it really is. your personality coming through in your conversation or do you feel limited? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really the, the, the question. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but uh, sorry, I, I kind of, I think I distract, I, I made, uh, I incorrected the course of the conversation. I think you were asking about how you, how you, was there a trigger or, and then I started talking about Japanese language, sorry. So I'll let you go back to that, James. Oh yeah, well, chat, chat. So I, what do we get to? Oh yeah, so I was in Tokyo four years yeah. and then, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're not gonna for one year and then yeah. you moved over to Tokyo. So I guess you worked in shipping for four years. Yep, same uh, company uh, four years. Nice, and then and then yeah. So 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 um, yeah. What 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 was the evolution there, and what what made you kind of like yeah realize that no actually, this isn't this isn't what I want to do. Um, probably it's like cute, like a uh, what's the word? Compound co- compounding factors really. Uh, like it, it wasn't really there wasn't really one specific incident or specific so thing. I don't think. Process. Oh, uh, yeah, like so just um, having a proper think about things and like uh, COVID hitting probably. And I kind of thought to myself, like, yeah, I think a lot of people ask themselves, like, okay, a lot of stuff's going to shit here. People, some people don't even have jobs. Uh, mm. Some people are like, yeah, dying. Um, not that I'm like, not that I was super alarmist about, about all that stuff or anything. But yeah, I was like, well, what do I really want to do? Um, I always thought that I'd like to move back to Nagano at some point. Um, but I think like, like most people, you have this idea of, oh, I'll work, get a pension. And then mm. when I've got a lot of money saved up, I'll, I'll go and move out somewhere nice and do what, do what I want to do. But like having listened to, I suppose, like various podcasters and like social media figures who I follow and stuff, uh, a lot of them speaking about, you know, uh, uh, some of them mentioned how, you know, your body's not going to be up for it to do the stuff that you want to do when you're older. Um, yeah. When you're 60, 70, you're not going to yeah. be able to go hiking particularly vigorously or um, go hunting, you know, in the deep in the, in the deep mountains with your dog or hmm. do exercise to a, to, a, to a particularly intense level, like when you're old. Um, but a lot, a lot of us tell ourselves like, "Oh, I'll do it when I'm, do it when I'm older." Yeah. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it when I've worked my balls off to save up a load of money and pay off a mortgage, and then, yeah, and then, and then I'll do it. And it's like, ah, uh, well, yeah. will that day ever actually come? You, you might be dead mm-hmm. by then for a start, and then your body's going to be, you know, not so uh, yeah. supple and um, and energy yeah. full. Uh, if that's yeah. the that's um, yeah. yeah. so some of those ideas came to my head and then yeah reflecting on whether work the kind of work i was doing was really what i wanted to do was it was a fairly obvious no um really was just a mm. tool to, to get an income and be able to live in tokyo um mm. and uh, yeah a lot of the so sorry go on. <clears throat> no no sorry I, I, I didn't mean to cut your story yeah, I mean, I already touched on how it was it was really all-consuming, the job. I kind of, I looked at colleagues around me and the people who were really, really successful, it, they were really, really just all in. You know? um, yeah, yeah. Michael, Michael knows uh, Sam, Sam Dorr, yeah. mutual friend, and he is just like the exemplary, like, he's a really good broker, like, phenomenal um, at what he does, but totally all in, like, totally... Um, always always on his phone always working hard and for him 
he clearly like enjoys that and um he has certain aspirations that he he he, he, he uh, yeah he has certain aspirations which mean that doing that job makes sense for him but mm-hmm. for certain other people in the industry uh and me included they have stuff outside of work that you want to do like sports or just being able to turn your phone off for the weekend or whatever um <laughs> yeah it's not an option <laughs> uh, yeah it's just it, it's simply it's simply not an option and like even when i go to sleep i put my phone on airplane mode like you just can't do that when you're in shipping um you can't be unreachable because you lose a deal and and you get yeah. shit you know from your colleagues and your boss and ultimately the reason you're there and getting paid is to to bring in business and it's totally understandable why it's a high pressure environment in that sense um but yeah the, the whole having to be 24 hours seven days a week available um and not being able to just go like okay phone off now i'm gonna read a book or i'm gonna do some sport or I'm going to hang out with friends or go on a date and actually not check my phone while I'm on a date, for example. <laughs> like, that would, um, that's, that's something that I kind of it happens. Realize. It happens a lot, doesn't it, actually? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the time. And it's, it's, man, it's always when your phone never goes off when you're chilling watching Netflix at home. It was always when <laughs> you're, having, you're having pizza at a restaurant with someone nice. And yeah. beep, 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 beep. You're like, oh, come on. <laughs> And you're like, I, I, I'm sorry, you may not understand, but I have to take this call. Like, <laughs> I, I've been on the receiving end of that with Mike a few times. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like we were having our Sunday meet, and 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 it's. Uh, I'm never that polite to you. I'm just like, why? Chat. Initially, you were. <laughs> Initially, yeah. you were like, oh, yeah. you know, because it was constantly buzzing your phone, and I was like, what the hell's going on, man? Isn't it just like you know, like I, I've got, and then and and now I think I realize more than even back then, like. Yeah, it's about closing the deal. You can't get in front of your boss on Monday and say, I didn't close the deal because why? You didn't pick up your phone. What the, what it's, the head is it's that? Also because, um, it's, it's because yeah. other people are relying on you uh, to do their business as well. Because if, you know, if you're, if you're being lazy and you don't answer the phone, uh, your competitor is going to get a business. But then your colleague has then also lost the business that they could mm. get as well. So they're going to be upset with you. They're like, you know, what the fuck's going on? I've I lost out on this deal, this deal because you're being a lazy fuck. Like, um, it's not on, you know. Yeah. So it's it's this, the pressure is, I would say, mainly from that. You can't not be available. Yeah, you can't so, let people down. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I completely understand. You know, you can't just switch off. Um, I wanted to ask. Uh, I want to pick up on something that you said earlier, James. You said, and uh, you said, that, you know, one of your friends. He's he's got certain aspirations and goals, you know, and so it makes sense for him to do this job. And, and I actually quite like that. I think sometimes when we're younger, we we don't have a clarity of what that aspiration is for us, and that's why we do a variety of different jobs, and then realize that some of them don't. Don't, don't fit us uh, do you have and it's okay if you don't it's quite a deep question but do you have like a sense of what your aspiration is like i i get that you what i, I kind of gleaned that you, you you like the outdoors you want to do more things with physically and, and engage with the world in a very different way than what shipping was allowing but do you have like this kind of end aspiration that your current lifestyle feeds into or um 
or, or not i mean it's okay i mean i'm just wondering uh, i wouldn't say so really like uh, i wouldn't say i've um i think that probably comes with uh at least my general instinct is if you have a partner or wife who uh, you know who you're very clear about a future with then a lot of those things become much more come into focus you know um whereas yeah generally i feel like when you're when you're single and it's it's about you and like kind of what you want to do um mm -hmm. uh, it's not that it's short term versus long term but it's mm, how to phrase it no it's yeah i'd say yeah 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 but, yeah that's it it's more open-minded and flexible and it's like, okay well i'm gonna for now i'm gonna work towards this um and this kind of lifestyle and these and, and, and this standard of living and mm. and then certain things come into your life like women kids uh yeah uh, maybe your maybe your parents get sick and that's another thing you have to maybe mm. you know consider in terms of what kind of lifestyle you, you can or want to live so yeah i think for now yeah i don't particularly have any like so yeah how yeah, did you become an end point as well? How yeah. did you become a forest walker then? I th Sorry, I, th I, I think. Are you, are you saying walk, walker, Michael, instead of worker? Did you? Did you oh, was <laughs> it? I thought you said forest walker. I thought it was like no. oh, that's such a cool name. That like, sounds like it, something it, yeah. like thrown no, no. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should like rebrand. Rebrand my position. Yeah. As take me back like wait, does, does this come uh does does wanting to be outdoors in the forest hunting come from anywhere like was this related to your childhood or anything in any sense did you grow up close to nature or is it more of a yeah like is where, where, yeah where does that instinct of yours uh come from I don't know. I think that it's hard to it's hard to put my finger on on that really. Uh, I mean, I was yeah, I was generally sporty. Generally liked animals growing up. Like uh, my mum always refused to buy us a dog because it would be too dirty and messy, too much cleaning involved. So <laughs> I was kind of dog deprived as a kid, uh, which maybe yeah. led to me wanting to have a dog massively. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, the, the the outdoor stuff. I don't know. I I've always been obviously yeah, like sporty, quite ambitious, like physically and sporting wise. Mm. And I, I do remember uh, in my kind of early twenties, like reading reading a little bit more around hunting and and that side of things, and just okay. just really just something just kind of resonated Great. with me. That, oh, this is a really cool like taking ownership of getting your own food and putting like getting your own meat. And, yeah uh mm. really like it's this very primal and like ancestral thing um I, i'm I'm a, yeah. I'm a historian as well by by my degree by training so um and i've always been interested okay. in like more classical medieval history and i guess like a lot of boys you, you're into like swords and sandals history like knights and yeah. like that kind of like romantic old era of of like yeah, warriors and stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe there's part of that in the subconscious somewhere. But um, no, I remember mm -hmm. reading around it in my early twenties and thinking, oh, this is like this is just really cool, and um, wanted to learn more about it. But being in the UK, so it's, cool. it's it's kind of a bit of a reserve for wealthy people, at least in England. And 
you can do it in Scotland a little bit, but it's even then it's quite pricey and, and it's quite it's quite. Uh, good question actually it, there's no hunting allowed in in the the uk except for scotland no no it, it, again it's all very area dependent and there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to do with it, it's a lot more controlled and strict around people's estates and private lands and mm. like licensing is is very uh strict the gun control is actually arguably more strict in the UK than it is in Japan, and even Japan's often often touted as like the most gun strict country uh, in the world. Yeah, true. But the UK is 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 arguably I've looked into it. It is it is very very strict. And um, anyway, yeah, so Scotland's a bit more doable, but yeah, it's also very very cold and boring up there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. so. So, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that idea of, of UK being this place that kind of, for example, I, I, I was inspired by, by David Attenborough. And by, no, I wasn't inspired by that. I, I, I was already naturally a naturalist, I guess, since I was very, very little. And then seeing all these documentaries and stuff blew my mind. And then it's like looking out the window in Britain, it's like, no, I can only study it here. I can't actually get involved with it. And life yeah, kind of no. brought me now in Brazil and Colombia. It's, I, I get that kind of journey. Um, but take me through, um, like, then hunting. What's the experience of hunting? Because I've, 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 I've done a little bit of, uh, no, not really. I haven't really hunted, not properly. Um, and I think for a lot of people, this is an experience which they've they've never really engaged with. Um, it can seem, especially if you're coming from Britain, something that's, I don't know, what what farmers do to, 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 to get rabbit meat <laughs> and, and, and fox hunting and all these kinds yeah. of images come to mind of, yeah, like rich aristocracy, torturing animals, chasing them for fun. But actually, you know, you, you speak about it as putting food on the table. So what's the, what's the, yeah, experience of, of being in, in, in the woods, hunting with your, with your dog, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, I guess as, as a late, relative latecomer, I suppose most hunters around the world probably do it with their dad from the time that they're a teenager. That's probably the, like, just like numbers wise. It's probably something you're almost born in. It's almost like your religion. Like you're kind of born into it, probably for for, for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, at least from my impression of listening to Americans speak about it, it's like oh, I went out mm. and killed my first stag with my dad, kind of thing. Uh, when I was mm. when I was a kid. Uh, whereas, yeah, for me, I'm probably in the minority that it's come later in life, um, which gives maybe a different different flavor and different kind of perspective around it. Uh, but yeah, the <clears throat> just it's just it's hard to explain like mm. something really primal does kick in when when you're out there stalking and tracking and you hear something cut you, you hear the you hear the brush the brush whack, the brush the uh, brush yeah what's the word brush bashing no, you hear brush bashing over the slope and then you you see a flash of something come through and really something primal just does just like kick in it's, it's it, you can't it's something you can't explain without having experienced that, I think. and yeah. um the adrenaline is 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 really uh it's like nothing else i think it's, um, what are you hunting mainly so focus mainly on the, the big game species in japan uh deer boar and, and we've got black bear on the main island which are all they're all indigenous 
indigenous? You do you use indigenous for animals as well? You do, don't you? Yeah. They're all native. They're all native species to Japan. Um, the boar are kind of like in many countries a little bit inbred, uh, interbred with domestic pigs, which have like escaped from farms and stuff. Um, oh. So there's a bit of a like crossbreeding thing going on there. But uh, is that intentional? Yeah. Uh, there's some intentional crossbreeding because uh, the the it, it gives a certain flavor to the meat. Um, uh, okay. You know, so and it, it's like not as fatty as pork, but not as lean as as wild boar. It's kind of in between. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I can only imagine like the the the, the, the boar fetish as like these European uh, domestic pigs like got got released and it's just like oh, wow, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> I must breed with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <just> you, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that's super interesting. I was gonna uh, so 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 those those are the main species and like. Um, talked about like this primal is so so what what do you hunt with is it like um i might sound stupid but like is it trouts bow and arrow gun no know. no it's a completely fair question um there's no no bow hunting allowed in japan it's legal um yeah. there's no crossbows allowed uh for your first 10 years of hunting you're only allowed to use a shotgun um so like a three three round shotgun so you use slugs use slug slug rounds in that which are like mm -hmm. bullet bullets uh so you're not you're not yeah. you're not just using shot um which mm. would be a little bit a little bit cruel uh and then after 10 years you can get a rifle which can hold up to six rounds in it and you know that's got a bit more range on it and a bit more power uh and a bit more accurate so you know i mean some people don't even get a rifle in the end because they're quite accustomed to using a shotgun and mm. a lot of the the, the 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 terrain, especially in Naga, in in the main island, and then the mountains on Honshu, the main island, it's just like very. It's like this. The mountains are just like this, and it's mm. there's, there's not really a open. There aren't these open plains where you can, you know, scope out a, mm. a deer over several hundred yards. It's it's pretty short range stuff a lot of the time, and. Mm. A lot of people using dogs sure. and like driving, driving the prey around, um, so that it comes kind of flying down the slope towards you or up the slope as well. Um, so yeah, that um, comes. How, how, how close is close range? Like how 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 close do you have to get to shoot them? Ah, uh, you could be between ten and fifty meters. Uh, to, okay, to take a shot. quite close. So, what? So yeah, why is I mean, bow not allowed? By the way, is that is that because it's just never been not seen as a human? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think from firstly it's Japan, so it's like if it, if it's not legislated for, then it's just like not a thing, you know. Okay. So, and it, and it doesn't and need, you don't need a valid reason. Yeah, it, it doesn't need it, and and if it's if there's no tradition around it, then well, tradition being post World War Two, you know, when the Americans came in and kind of uh, reinstituted mm. everything. Um, yeah, and because it's because it's silent, there's no bang when you when you release an arrow. It's uh, you know no one no one knows you're there and no one knows you're out there doing it. So you can you you could you could go around in theory being much more secretive and uh, you know kind of doing stuff illegally. I suppose I think that's a lot of the reasoning around it. It's it's silent basically. So you know 
the surrounding that's villagers and other hunters in the area they have no idea that you're you're there so um that's yeah. dangerous um in their eyes so uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess I mean I've I've been in the U.S. where where people have been hunting. I, I was in Alabama and I was fishing, and in the background you could hear shotguns, and that was really important because it meant yeah. that you were aware that there's somebody out there firing bullets, and, and yeah. you, could, you yeah. could figure out your own safety. If it was an arrow, something would just shoot past your ear, maybe at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and that uh, would be uh, pretty uh, dangerous. I did hear that it's a uh, there. It, I don't know. It sounds like it could be quite dangerous in Japan. Like there's these old guys who are. <laughs> who can barely barely lift the the gun and they kind of like just waving the gun around like trying to trying to aim for the 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 boar and then <laughs> I mean it doesn't sound like you want to be around those kind of guys <laughs> or yeah and, uh, you were saying yeah. earlier like they they'd be uh, drinking heavily the night before and then off tracking <laughs> yeah yeah there's some I mean the average age in Japan is obviously an issue I think everyone's yeah. aware of this by now the aging population over here. And the average age of hunters is something like uh, 70 in Japan. So it's, um, it's like mid, mid 60s, 70, something like that. So I, I, at 30, I'm bringing the average down by, by quite a lot in my area. You know, you've got guys, guys hunting since before I was born, like five decades now, um, in the same group as me, which is great because mm. they have a lot of experience. But mm. it's, um, yeah, it's an issue. So in 10, 20 years, I might have the whole country to myself maybe to, to hunt yeah. <laughs> um, can you I'm, I'm curious what was your first time ever hunting um was you know was yeah what was that um i went well i, uh, I went out my first year i again the whole licensing process is extremely strict and very just bureaucratic so the first year i was involved with a hunting group i didn't have my like gun permit stuff so <clears throat> I went out just helping out and watching. So that was quite, um, that was very interesting to, to be around and, and help out with butchering and uh, yeah, just, just to kind of help out. But then first time actually actually doing it. Uh, yeah, we're on like a group, a group driven hunt, which means you pick an area, maybe between 10 and 20 people, depending on the size of your group. You'll pick spots around this mountain pretty much and around the forest roads and you get everyone gets set up quite far away from each other because we've got quite mm. we've got these fox uh, european foxhounds which um we let loose and they you know they sniff around the mountain and pick up on scents and then and then end up pushing the oh, wow. push pushing the deer and stuff around around that area and if obviously oh, wow. you're, you're all set up in different spots so the idea is push around the game and it will come come to someone uh, or mm. it'll come across a certain area and yeah this tiny little bambi um came came kind of running down this because actually so partly great adrenaline and the kind of uh experience of it is you you you, you hear the dogs in the distance right mm. and when they get woofing you know that you know that they've picked up a scent and uh the kind of style of their barks can indicate mm -hmm. like if they've just picked up a scent or whether they've actually seen something or whether they've got like a really strong scent. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously as the, as the, as the dogs, the sound of the dogs gets closer and closer, you, you, yeah. you know, the, the, the likelihood is that they're pushing something towards mm -hmm. you. Right. So uh, okay. that's like, it's like, you know, 
uh, it's this primal instinct of kind of something something's coming because the dogs are coming and yeah um, you, you get you, ready you, you don't want to let the dogs down so you kind of um okay focused and how do you make sure that i mean are the dogs do they make sure to stay like way behind i mean i mean because if you've got they're, a shotgun they're, it must be dangerous as well yeah. for the dogs no yeah but we're again we're not using shot we're using like slugs so we're using uh, ah, like okay. actual actual bullets instead of okay, like okay. spray shot ah, okay okay um, and uh yeah uh, there are very very rare instances of of dogs getting sh shot by a stray bullet but it's um yeah. it's very very rare and, very and I, I mean if if most again pretty much every hunter then if a dog is within like very very close range of the animal that they probably won't take a shot until yeah until it like separates and goes like across the slope maybe away yeah. from the dogs mm. something like that but even though, so the, the, the deer are very sensitive especially in japan so they they know from like several hundred meters away uh, or even even further probably they can hear the dogs and they can probably smell the dogs mm. so they're going to be running like fairly a fair way ahead of the of the dogs Mm. But yeah, and then this band becomes comes streaming down this slope. I couldn't quite see it, you know, at first. I could kind of see something moving down the slope. And mm. then it kind of hit this forest road and sprinting towards me. And uh, uh, yeah, the, the adrenaline was the first time. Compared to every time after, the adrenaline was just crazy the first time. Like, um, I guess just the pressure of like, yeah. okay, I finally finally mm. got something in front of me. And uh, yeah. you're going to take it off. It's, it's on me to really to, to, to do it now. Uh, I don't want to let everyone down. I don't want to let the dogs down. And I've got a dog waiting at home to, to give some meat to, so I don't want to let my dog mm. down as well. And, um, and mm. I've got part of it as well. You've been through the whole bureaucratic nightmare of trying to get a gun and, and stuff in Japan. So you're like, well, I better make it worth it now because um, <laughs> I spent all this money and all this time and stress at the police station trying to trying to get hold of this. And... Uh, yeah, I think I put I put more bullets in it than I needed to, but I I was you know I was I was um, I think I think my first I think my first because again it's if it's some deer they'll keep moving even if you hit them right so mm. they couldn't move for another hundred meters before they just wow. keep moving. Um, mm, wow even several hundred meters even if you hit the vitals they might go quite a long way so really wow. Yeah, I think hit the vitals, um, but I, I put another couple of rounds in it, and then it kind of moved along the slope, and then just sat down and and was was gone very very quickly. So um, yeah, it was it was quite a powerful experience, but um, very you're immediately very very like thankful and think, oh wow, this is awesome! I've, I can put some food on the table. That, that was kind of the overriding feeling, really. What are you thankful to? Because I guess in that moment you've 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 taken the the life of this thing. I don't know, um, but of course you know it's food. It's food for your dog. It's food for yourself. So what what what? I don't know if if if, if what that experience of thanks is 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 yeah. Can, can you explain that a little bit more? Like just expand on that experience of thanks. Um, is it? Is it to the forest? Is it to the deer? Is it just a general kind of feeling? Um, 
of like you know i'm lucky here i can i can eat and i don't know why so i'm thankful um com uh, a combination of things i guess it's uh part of the part of the interest in hunting as well was was reading around you know environmental issues and and kind of i think most people are obviously now aware of how kind of how uh how much um uh so what again there's obviously varying opinions on this but generally speaking the the amount of fuel and resources that goes into uh factory farming of of, of domesticated livestock uh, is just absolutely huge and uh, for me it's less the environmental thing i think it's more the uh kind of ethical side of um I, I kind of had a I really thought about okay is it is it really okay to have all these chicken packed in this tiny 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 little place or like eat pretty much eating each other shit all day and being being pumped full of steroids so that they can grow to full size in like a week like however many weeks time uh just to support this kind of um culture we now have of, of being and being able to go into a supermarket whenever we want and have a fresh pack of chicken line there kind of thing so like yeah. it's kind of ruminations around that side of things uh and then being like well if mm -hmm. i can take responsibility to go out there and do it myself because i think you know if you're going to eat meat you should be prepared to stick a knife in a chicken's neck yourself right like you, you sh mm. so many people this is a whole other time this is going to turn into a hunting podcast but it's like so many people you speak to around hunting, they, their immediate emotional reaction is just, oh my God, how can you kill an animal? And it's like, okay, are you a vegan? And they go, no, 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 I'm not vegan. And you go, <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Like, you, so you eat a chicken, but you're not prepared to like strangle it or break mm. its neck yourself or like stab it and then, and then butcher mm. it yourself. Like there's a weird cognitive dissociation. Yeah, com complete yeah. association with the the food chain that we now have, and it, it's understandable, of course, because we live in these huge urban societies, and that's just the way the world is right now. But it takes about two minutes, in my opinion, to to sit and like think, okay, this food in front of me, where did it come from? Who's who's put the work in to actually produce this thing? And uh, and then realize, yeah. okay, well, I should probably be prepared to not not that, not yeah. that everyone has to go out there and do it themselves. Like that, that would be completely unrealistic. But um, if you can yeah. and if you're prepared to, then I think it's just quite admirable to to go out there and do it. Basically, that's kind of um, one of my I think ruminations on it. I guess no, that's cool. So 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 it's kind of like you're you're almost thankful that you're it's possible for you to live this life in which your in which your kind of food your values everything can be integrated um like you know you can go out there and and and, and get your own food and it is a possibility for you um I, you know you know but i to, to your point there about i mean I, I don't want this to be a veganism podcast either um, <laughs> but I, I i think all of this comes from this grand urbanization and, and the large food chains we have that disconnect affects it in both ways. So you have people who eat meat who don't understand, like who think like killing an animal is, you know, the, the, the association is just, it's, it's not there such that they see the connection between that and their food. It's more like these two different events. And mm -hmm. it's like, why would you do that? 
for nothing. And that's where the veganism comes from, because a lot of people, they react. Factory farming is one thing, but in general, people reacting negatively towards any kind of death that's involved with their food is a very alien idea. Um, and and death itself is, is an alien idea. We're disconnected from that in our urban lives too. Mm. Uh, the, the realities of that, we, we cushioned it, we we douse ourselves in stimulation. To, so death itself is, is an alien idea. And and, um, and and so it's like almost you want to avoid it altogether. I, I, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of this comes from a sense of disconnect and weakness. Um, whereas once you spend any time in a forest, even camping and hiking for an extended period once you've worked with a farmer on a real farm that maybe not as a factory farm but a local little uh, place you begin to just have you begin to see things from from that perspective like we, we had chickens i always thought that you know just just having any kind of domestic animal urban mindset any kind of domestic animal uh, it's like but why 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 would i trap them uh, no, and, and, and for my needs and even if I no, want no. eggs I want eggs why do they have to but then when you're on the farm and, and we had 50 chickens in Colombia uh, my father-in-law did and, and they weren't caught up in this little pen they were free to walk around and, and eat whatever they want and they lay their eggs and we take the eggs and it's like yeah I mean we're protecting them from the hawks there's a lot of care that goes into this there's yeah. a lot of uh, they were eating an amazing diet. My mother-in-law would like make them all sorts of little treats and stuff. Um, and, 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 and there's that relationship that man and animal has, um, and man and nature has. And I guess, you know, we're so disconnected from it. I guess that's what you're kind of in a way mentioning here about that primal sense. I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to bring, bring that monologue up i shouldn't do monologues <laughs> <laughs> so i um, yeah come comes from my years of veganism and, and 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 not being that anymore um okay cool so so you're you're out here in nagano you're mm -hmm. uh hunting um to put food on the table and 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 so how is all this being sustained? I'm, I'm guessing this this comes to the, uh, the 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 tree walker thing that Michael's talking about. Forest walk, tree walker. Now it's tree walker, forest. not forest walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tree, walker. <laughs> tree walker. Yeah, forest worker, forest worker. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I'm curious. Talk, 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 talk to me more about that and and, and how that uh, what what that work is and lifestyle is. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was a completely random opportunity. I came out hiking to Nagano with with Dylan, our mutual friend, and we met this guy. There's a halfway hut, you know, like a, lot, a mountain hut on the way up for where people take a break, and there's like a mountain ranger who chills out there. And if someone needs rescuing, then he goes out and gets them. And you stop off and have a cup of tea or whatever. And um, we were on the way down, and then coming up, there was uh, this yeah these three other white people and as is the case in japan you you spot other foreign people you strike a conversation um <laughs> like the the foreign fraternity in japan you know you uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you immediately we're lost together uh, yeah exactly we're all we're all a, it's, it's, a, it's a minority mindset you know you kind of you have uh, empathy I guess. and um okay. you yeah he we just had 
had a chat about all sorts of stuff, and he's this German guy who had been in Japan for for quite uh, like four decades now. Been there for a long time, and um, yeah, twenty years ago he set up his own forestry company, and yeah, he just said, hey, look, if you you look you look young and fit, if you want to try out forestry work, then by all means come out and give it a go. So completely. Did he the alarm bells? Uh, not at that you point. Young, no. young and fit. You should uh, come nah, and give nah. forestry work a go. <laughs> uh, maybe, I, yeah, it's a good point now. In, in, in uh, you know, maybe, but he seemed all right. Seemed seemed genuine enough, and yeah, he even gave, gave me one of his meishi. He had a meishi, you know, with his with his company on it and stuff. So that's all right. Then. One of it. Sorry, um, um, meishi is a business business card. So uh, he gave me one of his business cards, and. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, that was even. That was almost a year and a half before I actually made the move. So I did do. I did, you know, kind of immediately. I remember Dylan on the day. Dylan was like, "Man, that's that's so cool that you've like we've randomly bumped into this guy." Like you've mentioned before, how you you want to move to Nagano one day. Uh, why not? Why why not think about it? And, and again, this was still quite a while before I haven't moved. But um, yeah, obviously, it took a long time mm-hmm. thinking about it, pros and cons, and like how the kind of trade-offs that I'm willing to make in terms of my lifestyle, what I want to prioritize. And uh, yeah, eventually I was like, well, I'll take him up on his offer and yeah, moved out there. So uh, in terms of the, sorry, you asked about like hmm. life, lifestyle and kind of. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that that's kind of what I was curious about as well. Yeah. Like how, how did you get, get, get involved with this? And, and you're like weighing up the pros, pros and cons. Um, you mentioned pros and cons. And so, yeah, I mean, what, 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 what were the pros and cons? Like, were you, were you, were you worried about this move, especially, you know, being, you know, this career move? I mean, it's yeah. No, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Standard of live like the, how to say it, the, I, I suppose a big thing for anyone is, is money. Right. So, uh, I took like a 70, 70% pay cut to, to move out here, which, mm-hmm. yeah, again, depending on your lifestyle, like uh, expectations and what you're doing. Um, if you always want to go on holiday every few months, if you want to see a family every year in a far country, if you have expensive hobbies, then maybe you can't take that sort of pay cut. So it's it's not practically feasible. But for, for me, um, yeah, I was happy to kind of, uh, like, I'm fine with not going on holiday every every few months or, you know, like, mm. going. Yeah. The pros are, are far away the content. I mean, well, I guess also, is it is it much cheaper? You said that you took a big pay cut, but I guess out there it's cheaper anyway. So that kind of like uh, you can still, you know, uh, and and you're hunting as well. So you pretty much all the meat that you that you're eating is the food that either you're hunting yourself and then putting on the table. Um, so that cost is kind of like is uh, relieved in a way. And so maybe you know it's not actually a, such a big hit that you can feel because of uh, the way you're living at the moment. And then yeah, there's also the pros of maybe it's just a very it's a very um, still calm maybe you get more of a chance to uh, grow yourself spiritually even as well. Yeah, it's 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 true that the the, the general living costs are are a little bit cheaper out here, but um, 
what I was kind of just touching on was for some people the like the, how to say like luxury luxury like luxury spending budget as it were so like there are certain yeah. things that like don't change like the cost of an iPhone the cost of shoes the cost yeah, yeah, of uh, the cost of a flight yeah. to Okinawa or whatever like certain things just just yeah. stay the same so you're kind of your yeah your budget post the necessities um is is still like massively reduced therefore the stuff that you can do for fun kind of thing is yeah. is, is affected in that way so yeah that's what i was like, yeah. trying to touch on there but but for, but for me like you know i was just trying to say like that's for, when i weighed things up i was like that's totally something that i'm prepared to trade off in return for much more free time um where i don't have to be on call 24 7 um a culture of like having to go out drinking and entertain people and 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 pretty much like be lied to most of the time by customers and also your own colleagues a lot of the time um mm. yeah there's a there's a like a ton of I, I could go on probably but like yeah the the the, yeah. the pros the pros outweigh the cons for me um and of course like you never yeah. you never you never know until you then make the move itself but um even in hindsight, yeah, definitely glad I I made the move. Um, mm. so, yeah, yes. Yeah, so um, okay, cool. I mean, so yeah, you you you're willing to uh, give up these kinds of, I guess, these these frequent luxuries that that people kind of sometimes expect as a part of when they reflect on a good life for them, they'll they'll yeah. think of that as going to a spa with a view of Fuji and, and doing that whenever they please. And and so there's a certain life, you know, work style that comes with that. And, and you're happy to say, no, that's not really what I want. And so um, with those uh, pros of, of moving out, mm. are there, yeah. I mean, so, so do you, by the way, do you, do you feel like the, your human relationships are better out there because you mentioned you know the city life people cheating and lying and all this kind of stuff is is, is that aspect better too uh out, out in the uh, again this this could go on for this, this is a <laughs> this, this this conversation could take a lot of time as well but uh i think another reason i did move out here was because i do like being by myself quite a lot like and uh, okay so I lived in Azerbaijan, which is next to Rapongi, which is one of the main party districts in Tokyo. And mm. except for entertainment, I never went to any club like voluntarily. Uh, I mean, I probably went okay. once or twice in, in four years, like in terms yeah. of actually wanting to go and yeah. party and stuff, yeah. like, that sort of thing. And again, that's another trade-off. Some people want to go clubbing every weekend. Totally fine. But for mm. me, I'm like, nope, don't want to do that. So uh i'd much rather yeah. be in the countryside where it's where it's at where it's actually pitch black at night and it's actually quiet and you can get a good night's mm. sleep um mm. <laughs> so that's 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 you know more more of a ideal for me and um, yeah the, the, the human relations thing is interesting because there are some specific japanese cultural things especially even in the countryside around like um, kind of community expectations and you're never quite sure japanese people whether they're being genuine or not there's always this kind of 
there's a people are terrified of being direct in Japan, generally speaking, and mm. expressing how they really feel. Um, yeah, kind of elevate the group harmony and like making people feel good and not causing inconvenience over having any kind of minor challenging confrontation or discussion or something. So you've got to dance around those paradigms a little bit, but. <laughs> Yeah, it is nice to actually speak to your neighbors as opposed to in mm. Azabu, in my oh, eight-story building. I never spoke to any of my neighbors ever. Anyone living in my apartment block in four years, I just never spoke to them. So, yeah, there's a yeah, big dynamic shift there. It was, it, was, it was funny in Colombia because Colombia, even if when we were in, in the apartment block, which I agree with you, in my UK, that's the experience. In the UK, that's my experience. Like, you know, if you're in an apartment block, you won't even know who's, who's your neighbor uh, for yep. years sometimes. But yep. in Colombia, like, we'd end up, it's, it's, it's so friendly. You'd end up, I ended up trading like broccoli for eggs with my, with, with my neighbor at some point. Yeah, and yeah. Up that. It's wonderful culture. But okay, so with that comes this idea of, how, I think for the audience who might be thinking, who might, they, they, they might like Japan. I don't know what you call them, Nihong files. Um, they, they might like Japan. They might think about uh, be thinking about spending time there. How hard was it this transition for you to, or, or maybe instead of how hard, like what did the transition entail, where you had to kind of get to know the subtleties of Japanese society and you know this this communal harmony aspect and what was it hard to integrate would you consider yourself integrated now uh into japanese like in your local community i guess so uh but it's i think it's just like so again another reason i wanted to move out here was i wanted to even in tokyo after four years my japanese sucked it was pretty terrible um And I was like, well, the only reason, the only way it's really going to get better is um, if I put myself in a Japanese environment. Because um, actually, in shipping, there's a guy called Gareth. He's Gareth Morrison. Gareth Morris. Michael, Michael knows my name from from Musk. Yeah. Gareth. And yeah. Uh, Dylan, yeah, I remember Dylan. He's he's completely fluent, as far as I understand. He's fluent in Japanese. And I remember being told that he spent. Uh, a, lot, a long stint of time working at some hotel out in the countryside, basically. And mm. that's kind of where he built the Japanese language base from. And yeah, I kind of realized that working in an, even if you're working in Japan, when you're surrounded by English speaking colleagues and you're in an industry, basically all of the customers that I had and Michael has now, they all speak English um, because mm. shipping is like a, it's an international English language industry and all of the contracts are done in English because obviously mm. if you have contracts done in a different language there's like grammatical subtleties and stuff that people could then argue about and, and kind of get all mm. fussy about so mm. everything has to be done in uh, English uh, like maritime law or whatever so it's all kind of um, it's all English basically so of course, you can make an effort with customers and speak about some stuff in Japanese or go out drinking with them and try and speak in Japanese. But if the majority of your time throughout the week at work is spent in English, then you can't really expect to make that much progress uh, studying, studying Japanese. So, yeah, I basically was like, right, I need to get out to a place where I have to speak Japanese and listen to Japanese um, almost all the time. And mm. 
I think with that then comes the ability to actually <laughs> integrate a bit more and involve yourself a bit more. Because when you don't speak Japanese, you're 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 just always you're kind of just an alien forever within Japan. Mm. I think. Um, yeah. Even as a half Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when you're fluent, like, I guess a lot of the, a lot of half Japanese people, they get funny treatment from 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 Japanese people, right? For just for just for being half, but. Uh, um, no, but uh, I mean, I think they're, they're still. I think uh, they don't. They're not seen as Japanese. Maybe not always, but uh, I yeah. think uh, they might even get favorable treatment. To be honest, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of a lot of young Japanese people would say, oh, "I wish I was half Japanese." Something, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just me yeah. thinking that. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe Japan's particularly like in, intense with this, but I think any any culture which is still at any culture in the world any country which is still connected to its it's it's still proud of its tradition and its roots you're going to find that that's linked to language and you can't access it and you can't access people unless you some on some level speak speak the language like like even like mm. You know, let's just take Latin America. It's, 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 it's quite new world. It's quite open. It's, it's used to this history of migration in and out, uh, people settling. But still, I, I would say that unless you spoke, I mean, and unless you, you could just get by in the restaurants in English, but that's where you'd be stuck at that level. And, and you could never like hang out and laugh even or, or understand the subtleties of, of, of what's going on you, you couldn't just go out to the countryside and chill out in a bar and get to know uh, like what's going on there you'd always be outside of an alien and it, i think maybe just japan where you experience this even more intensely because uh, mm. it's even it's even more connected to its traditions um so many subtleties so many ways you could get something wrong <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, and you're never going to figure that out in english uh uh cool so okay, so so by picking up the language more, uh, and we kind of spoke about that a bit earlier about about your journey to to, to to picking up Japanese language, but picking up the language more helped you connect to people, and and they're, and they're accepting of of you uh, being like this. I mean, I don't think there's many probably foreigners in in, in the woods. Um, oh yeah, hardly any. I mean, uh, like most places they're accepting. They're more accepting when you toe the line, <laughs> but when you, when you, uh, when you challenge something or say, "Oh, what about this?" Then, um, yeah, they'll they'll say, "Oh, that's just that's just that's just you being English, or or that that's just the British way of doing things." And it's like, well, whether I'm British or not is it's kind of a it's, it's a moot point because I'm just trying to suggest like a more efficient or rational way of doing something. You know, um, it's it's mm. it's irrelevant uh where you're where you're from really it's it's um but but yeah i i think mm, yeah generally it's unavoidable in japan really isn't it say again sorry it's un, it's unavoidable often in japan yeah it's yeah. a bit of a stigma almost yeah 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 being I mean, I being, young, you... being younger being younger and also foreign it's uh and also and, and then speaking up to speaking out to people and uh kind of especially in a work environment that something that's again it's been 
probably maybe it's interesting for you a bit disappointing in terms of coming out here and making the transition mm. is i thought that like in the forestry industry where where people are getting out there like it's a tough work environment tough conditions we're doing like we're doing well with our hands i thought i thought people in this industry would be a lot more like just kind of logical like rational and like efficient less caught up in all the bureaucratic bullshit that that like salarymen are and the whole pol politics around like office politics and much less um i don't say just just be prepared to like work hard kind of thing and not not what not mm -hmm. sit around idling and wasting time like again like salarymen do just kind of fill the time with whatever with, with like nothing that. yeah it's interesting that it's but, almost but, like but, have been us getting away from it no. Oh yeah, it's it's really a cultural thing, like the let's just fill the time kind of thing, and like it's more important to be seen to be working than to actually mm. than the result. Like the result is almost like immaterial. It, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of separate. So it's been frustrating to come into the environment and actually learn that well, even forest workers are. They're Japanese, <laughs> and they are—they are not thinking about like what's the most efficient way we can get this work done and then go home and get on with our lives. It's more like our work is, you know, kind of how to say, yeah, our, our lives are like we just need to shut, shut, like shut, shut up and do the hierarchy stuff and. Even if it's inefficient, we should just do it because it's tradition, and that's just how it's always been done, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah. I have a okay. I mean, I mean, okay. So, 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 with 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 that. Um, well, I mean, like, so I I had a brief experience in in in, in my time uh, in Japan, not really working. I was just volunteering for a little while. The hierarchy is real. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the first thing that the guy said to me when I turned up onto this field, it was it was it was uh, an event on Sadogashima Island. Was like, he's a uh, he's 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 the master. I'm the king. You're the slave. Here's a piece of chalk. <laughs> Here's your instructions, <laughs> and that was it. That's the place you've got. Just establishing that from the beginning. <laughs> now take the instructions, <laughs> um, which I guess can be conflicting for for a Western person who like likes to like. Oh, it's a different culture, right? Where you contribute mm. your ideas and um, mm. um, and things like that. So, okay, interesting that that's 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 a that's a frustration, uh, especially out. And but but are they are they are they like? Uh, energetic with their work are they proud of their work because it can be su surprising for for somebody from the outside to hear like in japan that they're inefficient um that we think of japanese as the epitome of efficiency with everything that they do shinkansen all these like images of high hyper efficiency so like are, are they proud are they energetic with their work or or is it kind of like this is just mine nine to five and i want to want to get away from it uh, it's different concepts i guess it's um Mm. it's they're very good at like following procedure right and following rules following way of doing things but like we touched on like never questioning like is this way of doing things the best way of doing things and is it actually is this actually the most efficient way of doing this thing 
so in that sense, that that they're almost proud that they follow the rule book in a way. I suppose they're, they're mm-hmm. proud that they did this thing by the book. Um, but yeah, they'd rather, for example, the boss is the boss is German. Uh, actually, the guy I met on the on the mountain and oh nice. Uh, for example, like there's no proactive, there's no sense of being proactive. So if we finish the job, it's not mm. like okay, cool, let's 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 find out what's the next job so we can prepare for it or we can start it or whatever. They'd rather just like sit and wait to be told what to do as opposed to um, get out yeah. there and like be proactive and and think about very, things like two three steps. Very German. No, but so sorry. This is the Japanese uh, uh, okay. um, uh, workers who are who are like this. But yeah. fair enough. Um, I mean, the the yeah German boss is he's kind of come to come to expect it right from his workers. But uh, mm. it still gets him frustrated as well. Like, so like, come on, like, it's, yeah. let's actually think mm. about the next job. Or uh, yeah, they'd rather stretch out. Yeah, like this past week, right? So we we had like. Uh, had a spot of work that we were doing. We we're like cutting weeds around these saplings that we've plucked that have been mm. planted. You've got to go back and like cut the weeds around them every year to make sure the weeds don't like kill, suffocate the the saplings, the baby trees. Mm-hmm. And we we'd done the area that we we were contracted to do um, by like mid morning on that mm-hmm. day, and like the work days mm-hmm. through until like four. And people mm-hmm. were just like then going on to do. So we're only contracted to do the area where the tree is planted, right? So two meter mm-hmm. channel where the where these trees are planted. We're mm-hmm. not contracted to do like the the bits like next to that where the weeds are growing yeah. up. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean that's just not it's just kind of not in the contract and it, it doesn't really affect the the the, the trees grow. And. Um, okay. But because we'd finished like before, like the contract to work day, like the time, people would just mm-hmm. started cutting those areas as well, like as if to just to fill just to fill up the time doing something, you know. When in yeah. reality, it's like, well, you're using fuel, you're uh-huh. using machinery, which you know hours and hours of use on a machinery it wears it down and ultimately mm. it breaks and the parts break. Mm. You're using your energy and time. And uh, where we could mm. be preparing for the next job or whatever. So it's things mm. like that. Like they'd rather fill up the time with like stuff that's not actually necessary or productive yeah. than than do the job and then think, right, what's next? Uh let's let's crack mm. on. Um, so. and there's not those considerations yeah of like of of of, of effectiveness like how you know this, this is the outcome this is the goal this is how we can effectively manage our resource our energy this is it's more like let's this is what we do let's just <laughs> keep on going in the next section yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mindlessly almost um that's super interesting that's super interesting um did so I think Mike touched on this earlier and and it was like kind of so it sounds like would you consider yourself an introvert um or, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say more, more, more of an introvert than the next part. Yeah, to, to, to have your time and, and get away from um, 
like you know just have your own time basically mm. as as well yeah has yeah. that has that been um yeah cool and has that um i think i don't I, actually i'm not sure if we should go into spirituality in this podcast i'm kind of heading <laughs> yeah. that way but I, I i get a feeling that that might be its own topic um because you know I don't know how you guys feel about that. What do you think? Like to 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 mark that for 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 another podcast? Yeah, I, th- I think me and Michael are getting sleepy, so we should have more energy for uh, for, 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 for a discussion around spirituality. That'll be more. Productive. Yeah, because mm. I know that you 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 wake up at four a.m. to to actually yeah. you know get going with your work, and now it's like what nine thirty or something in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just a long day. But yeah, you- and uh, yeah. No, I know. I know. Also, you got a, you got a, you said mentioned last time that you're, you're, you have a background of, a, of a, your father was a, a pastor as well, right? So there's, a, yeah, there's yeah. that to explore as well. I mean, I think uh, mm. what I was interested in was like, uh, like being up in the mountains or something. Usually, it's like whenever I'm up in the mountains by, by myself, or at least when I was last up in Nagano, it was often in those periods. Just and that was only there for a week that you. You, you found I found myself, you know, being able to contemplate on these kind of like philosophical, spiritual moments at least at mm. much easily. So I don't know if that's something that you've reflected on more as well in your time up there. But anyway, I think also, like I said, you can you, that's, that's like you can you can expound on that a lot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's that's the other journey of, of of James, I guess. From from that we will be quite curious to investigate. All right, well, that was pretty awesome. I mean, I, I I definitely picked up, and I hope the audience picked up. You know what what it might be to um, live in 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 the woods of Japan, like you know, <laughs> culturally, in terms of work, how you might find work, what that feels like. You know, if, if basically if you want to find work, just stroll around and see if you can <laughs> meet, yeah, meet yeah. a German guy and yeah, give yeah. give it. You know. And and also, I think the conversation about hunting and even spirituality was there in a way, like this kind of experience of the world beyond yourself, um, was 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 a fascinating one um, for for sure. So I mean, thanks, James. Uh, that's uh, definitely, especially at the end of your day. I know this is this is like, uh, yeah. What time thanks. are you? What time are you waking up tomorrow morning? Uh, yeah, we're another four four thirty as usual. Um, Four thirty. Oh, yeah, just seven hours from now. <laughs> I'll leave you to it. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Cool. Thanks everyone for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, James. Um, it was definitely very insightful. I think we learned a lot about his life um, out in Nagano. Um, I think we've decided that we're also going to explore the other aspects of it all as well in a in a one that's more focused on his uh, um, spiritual side as well and philosophical side. Um, do you have any uh, any including remarks as well, Chetan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, 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 everyone for listening. Uh, if you've got uh, thoughts, comments, uh, anything that's popping to mind, yeah, put them in the comments below. We read all of them. We'll come back to all of them. And and um, if you've got 
your own topics as suggestions. If you yourself are doing something uh, like this, you know, kind of um, charting your own course, mm-hmm. get 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 in touch with us, um, and you know, either on Twitter or you know, you can just DM us. Link in the uh, com- ping a comment below. However, it is you want to get in touch, and um, we're more than happy to to chat and explore those avenues further get to know you better so yeah um mm. just gratitude as always we'd love to hear from you would love to hear from you. exactly 